This is the 4th of July weekend. I want to pray. Before I do, though, uh, thank God for our country. And uh, before I do, all you vets, stand up. Stand up where you are. We're gonna, I, want you to, I want to pray for you guys. Come on, come on up. Stand up. Where I got? Let me see. Oh, we got them all. All right, thanks. Stay, stay up. Stay up. Stay up. I'm going to pray for you. Get up. Get up. Come on, stand up. All you guys stand up. Let me, let me pray for you, okay? Um, Eric, stand up. All right. All right. God, we are grateful for these guys. And ladies, don't happen to be here, but for the people who have done what they do and to keep us free. And uh, we especially thank you for them. We pray for the troops right now. We pray that you would protect them in every way. We thank you for the freedom that we have, the foresight of an Adams, the creativity of a Jefferson, the the courage of a Washington. And uh, we have a wonderful country for which we are very grateful, and we know that comes from you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Gracious freedom, does that have anything to do with freedom in our country? I mean, you could make some correlations, but I want to just talk about, let let me just read it to you. This is what's in the program every week. Uh, This this is, for those of you visiting with us, core values series of messages, core values of, of this church, I believe should be of any church that recognizes who Jesus is in the gospel of Christ. And um, it's, um, well, let me just read it. You'll, you'll see. We believe that God has extended his grace to everyone. Thus, we seek to practice generous love that, encur- that encourages individuality. Thus, Julie's song, that encourages individuality, fosters acceptance, and seeks forgiveness. So it's not just about freedom, but it's also the freedom, really, and when you think about this, this is the freedom not to judge others. Uh, in, in another sense, you could, this really could be called, you can, we don't need to argue over words, but this could be the freedom to be gracious. So when we talk about gracious freedom, let me, let me define grace for you. It's unmerited favor, Okay. Um, most of us know some form of that. And of course, grace can come from people, but of course, ultimately, it comes from God. And so when we talk about this core value, we're really talking about the freedom to not judge others. Right? That's kind of, you say, freedom? Yeah. Because so many times we do that. There are many churches who, who think you have to dress a certain way or behave or talk a certain way to prove that you're growing spiritually, you know, they would call that. And, and if you don't, um, somehow you're outside of God's will or you are, here's a, here's a word for you, you are carnal. It's a word, maybe a new word for some of you. You are a carnal Christian. You say, ooh, that sounds nasty. Um, it really comes, it means fleshly. It means you're living in what they mean by that. It means that you're, living, for instance, you're, you're getting mad and losing your temper all the time because you're acting out of the flesh, or you're gossiping all the time because you're acting out of, the, out of you know, just the flesh and so forth. And they'd say you're carnal. But I'm not, I'm not talking about things that are clearly wrong here. I'm talking about people that would look at maybe how you look or how you maybe being, you're too aggressive, or I can't imagine that around here, uh, but in some places, or, or, or too competitive, or too this, or too that, and, and they will say, come on, you know, you, 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 and they make judgments on you uh, because of that. And what this basic value is about is lighten up a little bit, people. That's what this value is about, and I think, I think, it's, I think it's got its roots in who Christ is and what he's done for us. I'm going to show you that in just a second. Um, you know, sometimes it's because some people, this is a true, true story, some people, you know, sometimes people get wealthy, and people in churches think, well, you know, they sold out. 
Again, you're not going to see that too much around here, but in many churches, that's the case. That's a true story. I've told, I'm going to tell two stories that I've told before, okay? Just so you know that. And maybe you've heard it, so I don't want you to think, oh my gosh, Rich is approaching that age. He's telling, he's telling stories over and over again. Um, <laughs> That's why Charlene and I get along so well. I mean, we're about, we tell each other stories over and over, same stories. We still laugh, you know? <laughs> you told me that back in 1990. I said, yeah, it was funny then. Anyway, <laughs> um, John, I'm going to quote John Newton in a minute. John Newton's great, great minister, and he, was, uh, he preached, literally preached until he almost died for 50 years, 80-some years old. And, and, they, and, the, and the congregants kept telling him and asking him, you know, you really need not to preach anymore. You're getting too old. And the last time he preached, this true story, he stood up to preach and he forgot what he's supposed to talk about. <laughs> that hasn't happened to me yet, okay? Just so you know. Anyway, um, so this story, this, this is a couple, they're good friends of ours, actually. And, and when, when they told me this story, it was just like, it was one of those things. They were very active in their church. Uh, had been followers of Christ for a long time, living in, in a fairly affluent area of, of the town that they live in, of the city that they live in. And it's not around here, but he started doing well. And, um, and he's like me, he's kind of a car guy. And so I don't know what he had, a Nissan or something. And he traded in and bought himself a new Beamer, new BMW. And do you know that there were people, this is so unbelievable, people in the church said, well, they're, they're getting materialistic. They're getting materialistic because they got that new Beamer. Boy, they think some of you are just going straight to hell, wouldn't they? Uh, <laughs> some of the cars you have. Um, but no kidding. That's, that, that was the judgment that they made uh, over something like that. You say, do people do that? Yeah, people do that. People who are believers sometimes do that. That's why it is gracious freedom to be able to stop from being able to judge people and things. That's why we need to keep short accounts. Yeah, here's the thing. We, need to, we do need to be real, admit where we fall short, where we need work, where we need to strive for forgiveness and, or, or, or strive to do better and seek forgiveness and, 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 and overcome. We, we need to be able to do that, but we also need to keep short accounts with people and with God in these areas. Short accounts. Don't let them go, Don't let them go on. Deal with them whether that be in the area of forgiveness or talking through some things or whatever. The goal should be, and, and, and I think it's important, uh, that, that we should have with one another, the goal that we should have is, is not to try to one-up one another, not to try to um, always have humor at somebody else's expense. The goal should be to, to encourage, to help enhance someone's faith journey not try to tear them down, you know, and not try to build them up. And, and that's the issue here. One of restoration rather than condemnation. So that's what we talk about when we talk about gracious freedom. So let me just show you three very simple things. I think it will help explain it uh, a little better. One, the first is the, what I call the acceptance of grace. Okay? The acceptance of grace. And what do you mean by the acceptance of grace? This, this, accepted, this acceptance means that I have accepted God's grace in my life, God's unmerited favor in my life. I am therefore able to operate out of a new modus operandi, a new, new mo, MO, because of God's grace in my life. Let me, let me explain that very quickly. I understand, I come to believe that Jesus lived, suffered, and died, rose again. And, and he did that. He came for me, for my sins. I accept that. I put my trust in him. I put my belief in him. And I say, okay, now, now things are different. 
okay? And I, and I now can operate out of, a, out of a mode of grace as opposed to condemnation because of the grace that I have received from Christ, from God through Christ. So, understanding that, three very simple concepts I want you just to support this whole thing of gracious freedom. It's what I call the acceptance of grace. And let me show you what I mean. We're going to go to Romans on this one and just get you to follow along with me because it's pretty self-explanatory. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Accept other believers who are weak in faith. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another is really, with a really sensitive con- conscience will eat only vegetables. You say, what's he talking about here? Stay with me. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Speaking of God's, we're all God's servants who are followers of Christ. He says, they're responsible to the Lord, so let them judge whether they are right or wrong. And with the Lord's help, they will do what is right and will receive his approval. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about the fact that, that some, there, there's some religious ceremonies that, that had t- were taking place at that time where some people would offer meat as a sacrifice. Now, these were idols. Nobody's at home. And if you and I were there, we would be enlightened enough to realize that. And we would realize, of course, that meat is for one purpose, to eat. Okay? And vegetables are not. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I just funny. I just, the picture in my mind, I was just downstairs to get Diet Coke, a little caffeine. And, and, and they always tell me what they're having for the buffet because they always try to tempt me. And, um, and I don't know why, because they, they, you know, always discount me. They're not making any money off of me. But that, I was looking at that barbecue chicken and barbecue ribs. And they're, hey, Rich, come over here. Look at these barbecue. So I'm reading about meat, and I'm thinking, barbecue chicken, barbecue ribs. Anyway, <laughs> I don't think that's what he had in mind. Um, here's the point. Some of these people could buy this discounted meat from the idle meat market and not have a problem with that. There were others who might have been a part of some of those pagan rituals who were saying, yeah, I can't do that. I know it's not real, but I can't do that. My conscience, it just won't let me. And, and what, what the apostle here is saying is, you know, don't, don't condemn each other over this. Come on, lighten up a little bit. Be sensitive. And if, you, if you're going to sit down and, and, and eat meat, you know, one of the, he says later on, you know, if you sit down and, and it's offered to you, just, just eat it. Now, if, if you have a problem with it, just be honest about it. I got a problem with it. But don't judge each other because of it. What he's not talking about are things that are clearly outlined in Scripture as being wrong or sinful. Sin means missing the mark. He's not talking about that. He's talking about other stuff. So, I'll come back to that in a second. But let me finish reading this passage. Verse 5, Romans 14, verse 5. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should be each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since, you get, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. All right? So that's what he's talking about. By the way, that's our cry room upstairs. We don't worry about babies that are in the balcony. That's our cry room. That's what they're there for. All right? So just ignore it. They have a special pass if they're up there. Just so you know that. All right. Now, down in the front row, that's another problem. So but that's, that's, that's a different issue. So you're fine. Don't worry about it. Um, this was the issue here where some people would say, like, like they would say, well, I'm going to worship on Saturday because that's the seventh day of the week. 
And, and, and you know what? You can worship on Saturday. Now, we worship on Sunday because it's the, the tradition started. Uh, uh, the Lord rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And ever since then, Christians throughout history have met on the first day of the week, Sunday. So, but there are some people who would call themselves Sabbath. I know some, Sabbatarians, they would call themselves. And whether they do that on Saturday or whether they do that on Sunday, they would say, that whole day is a Sabbath to me. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go home. I'm not going to watch any football. I don't know how it works, but I'm not going to watch any football. And I'm not making fun because I, I, respect, I respect this very much. I'm not one, but I respect it. And uh, they say, I, you know, I'm going to spend the rest of the day reading my Bible, uh, talking to my family, reading, you know, different things about that, and then close the day in prayer. And, and they're called Sabbatarians. Listen, that's fine. We don't judge them, and they don't judge us. That's the point here. If you feel like that's what works for you, God bless you. If you don't, God bless you too. So that's the issue when we talk about judging. And that's what was going on here. They were, well, you know, you don't really do this. We do this. Therefore, you start comparing. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, look, let me just show you verses 10 and 11, same, same chapter. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we all, we all, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, yes, each of us will give a personal, this is, this is, Pretty heady stuff. Each one of us, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or to fall. It's very clear what he's talking about here. You need some gracious freedom. Lighten up and know there will be people who are going to differ with you on certain practices in certain areas of what it means to be a follower of Christ. He is not talking, and I'm going to show you this in another passage in just a moment. He is not talking about something where somebody is clearly outside the guidelines of Scripture. He's not talking about somebody who's cheating on his, on his wife or on their mate, a wife cheating on her husband. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about somebody who's, who's, who's playing a Ponzi scheme, Okay. He's not talking about that. He's he's talking about these areas of judgment of which the Bible isn't clear. That's what he's talking about. And you give each other freedom because of that. Now, let me show you, that's that's what I call the acceptance of grace. we, we, We accept God's grace and therefore we can accept others because of that grace. And we operate out of that whole that whole different mode. The second thing I want you to see is what I call the practice of grace. Now, let me show you what I mean by that, because this is where it gets a little touchy. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Here's a different situation. This is grace, and this is all about, again, when we talk about gracious freedom. Here we have somebody who the Scripture says, this is really tough, by the way. What I'm going to talk about right now is really tough. It's hard. It's really, really challenging to get this balance that I'm going to show you in a, tr- in a church like ours. I mean, we got, we got some wacko lefties. We got some wacko righties in this church. And I'm not talking politically either. I mean, we have that too. 
And I, I like that actually. I think we, need, I think we need wacko left, wacko right, because that's what makes and, and everybody in between. That, but I'm not talking about political. I'm talking about from a theological or spiritual. Here's, here's what I mean by that. On this particular thing, the wacko lefty would say, "Oh, they're doing this. You know, this guy, you know, he's running around with some person that's not his, not his wife." But you know, I'm not going to judge. I can't judge. Hey, this is clearly outside the guidelines of Scripture. Here's a person who's, yeah, you know, he's, uh, it's been proven that he's been like, uh, had his hand in the till and he's like dipping off the top in terms of the cash and so forth. It's been, I'm not going to judge. Hey, that's called dishonesty. Okay? So that, that's, that's, that's the wacko left who would say, uh, I don't mean to say wacko, but that's, that's the far left person who will say, I'm not going to judge it, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, float your boat, whatever. Now the righty over here is going to say, I don't like the way this person acts. No person who acts like that can really be serious about their faith in Christ. And they're ready to condemn them for anything from, from how they wear their hair to whether or not they have the, 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 the piercing thing going on. I've told you that story, right? That's a, that's a story that I, I, somebody asked me, they knew I was going to be talking about, and they said, you've got to tell that story again. And I'm like, I've told that story two or three times. They said, well, you've got to tell it again. I'm an old disc jockey, okay? I take requests, okay? So the, the, that story was this, and this is where it's just a classic example where I judged, totally judged, pastor of a church, pastor of the church in, in Colorado. He's there for 18 years or something like that, um, church before I came here. And um, did the things, did what you do in Vail, Colorado. If you live there, you ski and you snowboard, and, and summertime you mountain bike and golf. And uh, this guy comes, been coming to church. He was one of the, the low end of the food chain, and... Uh, Listen to me, low end of the food chain. I'm, not, I'm talking about judging here, and I'm talking about the low end of the, <laughs> low end of the food chain. Um, that's kind of what everybody called it when you were a college kid and you came to Vail to work a lift attendant for the winter. Just, you, they called themselves that, and there were some very, very bright people who were doing that, so we're not making judgments. But he was uh, just taking a break from college for, the, for that year and uh, came to church every Sunday, and he's the guy that, you know, I always affectionately say he looked like he had stuck his head in a tackle box, you know, and he came out with just everything all over every which way. And uh, he kept saying to me, I don't mean that in an offensive way, okay? And, and he kept saying to me, hey, pastor, we're going we to we go, go snowboarding. I want to go snowboarding. And I said, I just kept saying, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, we will, we will, we will. Finally, one day he said, hey, and he just kept on me. And I finally said, okay, we'll go tomorrow. Prima Cornus tomorrow. Great, I'll meet you there. Um, so, um, I got to tell you, uh, you spend a lot of time on the lifts, you know, with, with guys like that. I, I don't think I'd ever met anybody at his age who had a greater love for Christ and talking about who, what Christ meant to him and his life. And I, I, I felt like, gosh, I just, I didn't judge him to hell, but I mean, I just, I just judged this guy all over the place. Like, this guy can't be a believer, you know. Got all these piercings through his nose and his ears and his eyes and his cheeks and his tongue and his lips and... Just the whole thing. Finally, I, finally, I was like, I got to know him, and we, we, we became friends. I said, that hurt, you know, but anyway. <laughs> that's, what we're, that's, the, that's the right, see? Judging people how they look based on, uh, I don't mean, again, that's not political, theologically or biblically. Just judge how they look, what they drive, 
you know, what they, how they wear their hair, whether, you know, clothes or this or that or, or, or talk this way or that way or whatever. So this is what we, that's why I call this the practice of grace. There's a fine line here, folks. There's a line. When we say this, you know, look what he says in the first part of this verse. Go back to verse 1, Josh. If another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should, here it is, here it is, gently and humbly. This isn't saying you just say, I'm not going to judge. If a person's doing something that clearly is outside the, the, the guidelines of Scripture, clearly, that it's sinful. We don't just say, well, I'm not going to judge. No, I'm not going to judge, but I'm going to gently and humbly try to set him. And the way this Bible puts it is really cool. Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Why are we doing that? Because we're judges? No, because we care about them. And when we understand the Bible and we understand God, we understand that He has given us some things that we should not do. And it's not to try to curb us from fun. The point of that is He knows what's going to damage us. I mean, and how many people do you know that have gone through things of greed or, or being covetous or, or uh, you know, cheating or wh- however that may look? And, and it just, it's just destroys them internally and in every other way. That's why we gently... And humbly come along and say, no, listen, let me help you. Instead of coming along and saying, you're sinning, you're going to go to hell if you don't change your way. Uh, That's never helped anybody that I know of. And and that's the point here. The gracious freedom that we have not to judge. And where the thing is clearly wrong, we're able to say, come on now. This isn't good. And, and, And whenever you do that, it's... People are, you know, I've done this. This is where I live. I mean, this is, uh, it's, people always, well, do you, you know, does God love me? No, God doesn't love you any less. Do you love me any less? No, are you kidding? I've done worse things than you probably. That's not the issue. And that's, that, that's where we have to do this balance. And let me just tell you, churches really, you have a hard time finding a balance. You can find those, a lot of them, who've just basically erased the boundaries of, of right and wrong. And you can find some who want to judge you for what you drive and how you look. But it's really hard to walk that fine line. It's really hard. And that's why it's so important that we understand this, this gracious freedom. Whether you want to call it something else or not, I don't care, just as long as you get the concept. Last thing, third thing. The acceptance of grace, the practice of grace, the foundation of grace. The foundation of grace. It's real simple. This is just very simple. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by His grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. The, The foundation of grace is what we have received from Christ when we come to Christ in faith. We've received it. That's, that's our foundation. It goes back to the acceptance of grace. That's our foundation. Just, it's about grace. Unmerited favor from God to me. And then from me to you. Others that I'm with and around. Yes, we have gracious freedom. Um, we have freedom not to have to follow some religious hoo-ha to be acceptable to God. We don't have to do that, thank God. Book of uh, Galatians is a lot about that. We have freedom to trust in Christ, in Christ alone, as the one who can, who can make us acceptable, righteous before Almighty God. We have that freedom. We, you, know, you know, here's the other thing. We have freedom. This isn't what my message is about, but we have the freedom to set, our, freedom to set some boundaries. 
We have freedom to set some boundaries in our own lives. We have the freedom to do that. Some people think that that's, that that's restraining. Well, you know, being enslaved to something is, is restraining. Addicted, whether that be a behavior or whether that be a chemical or whether that be just a certain way of life, <clears throat> that's not freedom. We have the ability to have freedom and not enslaved to the opinions of others. But most importantly, we have the freedom to not assume the worst about people. We have the freedom to not judge. That takes a special, special kind of gracious freedom. And and to prove it to you, you don't find it very much, even in quote-unquote church circles, do you? You don't find it very much. That's why it's so important. I want to leave you with a quote from, I mentioned John Newton earlier, my I liked him because he was a lot older than me when he, when he finally quit his uh, preaching, so to speak, speaking. Um, <clears throat> keep in mind, he was a great man. He was a slave trader. Um, I'm not saying that was great. Uh, it wasn't unusual in, at that time in the 1800s, um, 1700s. But he lived to be 80-some years old. In the last 50 years of his life, he served Christ. And the longer I live, and I'm going to say this, and you're not going to hear me say this very much because I don't like saying this, but the older I get, okay, I said it, the more I appreciate the statement that you're going to say. I I really, and the more I can relate to it, the more I, I don't think I understood it the first time I saw it, several years ago. But I understand it better and better now. And it's one of the things that keeps me operating out of a mode of grace. Most importantly, it's who Christ is and what he is in my life. But this is one of those terse little statements that keeps me, keeps me focused. John Newton, late in his life, my strength is almost gone. But I remember one thing, that I'm a great sinner. And Christ is a great Savior. I'm a great sinner. But Christ is a great Savior. I said that after 50 years of ministry, serving Christ. That's true about all of us. That keeps you operating in a mode of grace. Let's pray. God, we, we are all great sinners. It's hard to get through an hour without having thoughts sometimes that are destructive and not honoring to you. Well, Lord, we, we thank you that you're a loving, great Savior. We thank you for the grace that you give us. We, 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 we stop and we think about the freedom that we have politically, which we're grateful for in our country. But even more, we're thankful for the gracious freedom that we don't have to stoop to judging others. We can show them the grace that you have shown us. We thank you for that, and we thank you for your love, your grace, and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.